From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's the show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly Minnesota to dig into things that we've been uh, watching and maybe playing recently. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. I'm back from the dead, everybody. Huh. Um, this week, we're talking all the love for Jenna Ortega, a returning TV show that you have to be watching, an aquatic horror TV show set in the unlikeliest of places, a found footage gem, again, obviously. Then we're looking forward to what we are looking forward to at Sundance and... What do we even say about this week's erotic thriller? So there's an it's an, an action packed episode today. A y'all. lot to cover because of you a know we had a lot to cover to last cover. week, and then and then I died. Mary Beth like had a bad day. <laughs> Guys, I've never puked so hard in my entire life. That's all I'll say. Anyway, right off the top, though, before we jump into everything else, um, I just want to update everyone that I am playing Inscription with my fiancé, and it is the best game. Mm -hmm. It is so much fun. We did the stereotypical thing of, oh, just one more turn, and then we were up late because we just didn't want to stop playing. 
Um, definitely played for multiple hours and did not realize how fast the time was gone. It's so fun. Um, we both played Magic the Gathering, so mm, we, mm-hmm. we really liked it because it plays into like the deck building stuff. But yeah, y'all, you should check it out. It's really good. It's so it fun. Really good. And we might have more about that coming up soon. <laughs> and the design is incredible. Like, mm-hmm. Everything at the sound design, the game design, the mechanics. Like, it's just so impressive. This game is like an onion. Mm. <laughs> Layers. <laughs> Layers. It's like a parfait. <laughs> like a parfait. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to update because this game is fucking legit. So it so is. I'm so glad you guys are enjoying it because I was so I, I was I was in your place. I was so obsessed. Where it's like we're done recording. I'm done with everything I need to do, and I just started like logging in, and I'm like playing it before I know it. It's midnight, and I'm like fuck. <laughs> but one more game. I know. <laughs> I know exactly. And it's like not a game that you can breeze through. No, it's not a. It's not a game that you can like get through really quickly unless you have like a crazy smart deck building brain then good for you but like this is not a game designed to be a quick experience Mm-mm. it's very so, methodical yes and a very logical it's very logical too it's very like kind of using using your noodle so did you have to use the walkthrough at like, all in that first part i had to resort to a walkthrough at one point we and did the, like, the, you didn't i had to at one no. point <laughs> oh really yeah for which part? I don't even remember what it was. I think it might okay. I think it had something to do with the clock, if I remember correctly. I'm trying to remember. Oh, there was like something where like I just something wasn't clicking for me and I was like, fuck it. I'm yeah. pulling up the walk. Yeah. I think it helps that there's two two of us playing mm-hmm. it, so like we can kind of like bounce things off of each other. I think that's been helpful a couple times. So I think but yeah, that first part is wild. Anyway, so everyone play inscription. It's so worth it. Like it's I really, really hope good. it gets ported to other to consoles and stuff because, like, right now you literally have to have a computer to play it. It would be such a good Switch game. Mm-hmm. I was telling Steve that like it would be such a good Switch game. That would be perfect. Mm-hmm. Between the portability so. and then having to type some things, right? it's, it's perfect. Yeah. So, highly recommend y'all. But anyway, that's that's my quick update on description. But what's about what about Jenna Ortega? Oh my god. We both saw Scream. We both saw Scream. We both saw Scream. What do you really, think? I really enjoyed it. I have a couple Yay. little bit of qualms that I have with it. I thought that... Um, do we want to discuss spoilers and like give time codes for spoilers here? I think this should be a safe space for spoilers. And we'll put time codes in the description. Because yeah. I feel like this is the place we can talk about it. So everybody, look down in the notes. Please do. Look at the time codes. And don't if you come don't for want us Scream if you, spoilers. If you don't want to hear about Scream, because we're going to... I don't think we're going to spoil we're a lot spo- of it, but we're going to talk a little no, bit about it. No, but I want to talk... It's hard. You cannot talk about Scream without spoiling something. Mm-hmm. So look down. Look where we stop. Go there if you don't want to hear anything. This is your last chance. Don't come for us. Okay, Scream spoilers. Hello. Okay. Talking about Scream. <laughs> yes. Okay. I was a little bothered by... Uh, Sam, the way that the show treated Sam's... uh, The show? The show. The movie treated Sam's uh, mental illness and the lineage with her and Billy. It was very... That part also bothered me. She's like seeing him in mirrors and taking antipsychotics and she's just... 
I don't know. It just didn't add anything. That was the biggest part of the movie that I was like, this is nothing. Like, having Billy Loomis being her dad, totally great. Like, great, cool, weird, fucking bizarre. That's fine. But, like, the whole medication thing and him appearing, it just, it didn't have any impact. Like, there was no, it didn't feel like if it was gone, it wouldn't have really done anything. No. You know? I mean, we get a little payoff at the very end with the way she dispatches one of the killers, but it's like... I don't even think you needed to have any of that other stuff for that to even not have worked. Well, you know especially because, I mean? like, the lines that she has and stuff, even if you didn't have him appearing, it would have been still satisfying. Mm-hmm. Like, her denying her. So, yeah, that was weird. Um, but I really love the new group. Oh, I do, too. It's one of those things where it's like, and I almost put a, 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 a poll out on Twitter because, like, I feel like if they continue, we don't even need the legacy characters in the new one. Um, because like this group is actually quite lovable. They really hold their own. Like, I I think what I liked about this for me is like, I like that they had the legacy characters, but they didn't rely on them as much. And I think that screen, like, I like that a lot about this movie and that they kind of were like putting more weight on the new kids. Mm-hmm. Because they're some good. They're really good. Like Jasmine Savoy Brown is in mm. it. And she's in Yellow Jackets, Finally, everybody. and she- queer character queer character and like openly queer like it was really i was dying when they had her wearing the fucking pride button at that party though that was so funny it was like just so you guys know she's big gay just like right there um and see i completely missed that on both watches the shoes were in that button oh really yeah Yeah. like a big like a big like a big heart it's like a big gay pride pin um love that i was like this is incredible she's just so gay and i that Jasmine is going places. Oh. Like between this and Yellow Jackets, and she's in some other stuff too that I, I don't I'm not familiar with. But like she the first time that I remember seeing her, um, I mean, because she was in Leftovers, which I I I just don't remember her oh, in the Leftovers. Okay. But the thing that I remember was uh and I don't really care for it, but it was at uh it was at festivals last year called The Sound of Violence. Oh, that's uh huh. Yep, gotcha. Had issues. Was she the lead? She was the lead. And again, playing a queer character. So she's playing in the last three genre things. She's played queer characters in all three. And I think that's fabulous. That makes me very happy. But she, I think with Between Yellow Jackets and Scream, like she's really going to start blowing up because she's, so in Scream, she plays Randy Meeks' niece. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's such a good, like, contemporary Randy mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. I just loved her so much. Like, there's a scene where she's watching. How do we even get to them? How meta this fucking part is. She is sitting in Stu's old house <laughs> and the couch where Randy sat in the first one, where he was. So in that in the first movie, he was watching a scary movie. In this one, she's watching Stab, which is. So she's watching a fictional representation of her uncle in Stab. In a scene that was from the original movie, then was remade into an in-movie movie, and now she is watching it in the new movie. That sounds fucking insane when you try to explain it out it loud. Does. But isn't that incredible? Like, this weird little, like, I don't know. It's just cool. It was really cool. Uh, Jenna Ortega. <sighs> that, okay, this opening scene is fucking fire. Fire. Like, she is, a, she is like, scream queen material like mm-hmm. i want her and she's gonna be an ex the new ty west i know movie. which looks so good and she looks so good like she gets fucking brutalized mm. 
it's like very much like gives beginning of like the first scream energy mm-hmm. of just like being brutal and terrifying and like really going back to like you're by yourself in a house and there is someone after you and you cannot escape like they play with like technology really well with like security systems and stuff and like spoiler alert she survives which i love i love that she didn't live i was like yes i was like Um, oh and she has an incredible scene in a hospital that I was like, I was sweating. Mm. I was like, I can't do this. Like she's and like she's in the hospital after getting stabbed like a myriad of times. Her leg is horrifically broken, and she does such a good job of how much pain she's in in this wheelchair, but still trying she's to had escape. A knife through her and hand. It's just so good, and it's so bloody, and there's just oh, so many sad. Vicious. So many sad things happen. So many good things happen. It's just a good time. It's it's so impressive. I they really blew me out of the water and expectation wise. I think like I think all of us were like Ooh. being really nervous about <laughs> like, it. How could you not be? It's fucking scream. It's the first one without Wes Craven. We know the three and four like resurgence in love for them, but you know like it was all kind of rocky and having. The radio silence guys come in and like make a screen a fucking scream movie be so good. And but actually feel like twenty twenty too. Yeah. It 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 so much felt like I had this like this is not like an original thought really, but it's like they didn't call it Scream Five because it really is a requel, like they call the movie, like a sequel and a remake of the first one. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like this weird loop between them where it's like directly feels like the first movie in so many different ways like in the locations and the people that they used and obviously that was kind of the point but i liked how it really did feel like the first movie but kind of taken into like a 2021 2022 context and they they make fun of elevated horror which is really fun the babadook is brought up a couple times and it was really funny (laughs) i i mean they they do but i don't i don't necessarily know if they i don't know i don't i don't feel like I don't feel like they make fun of it as much as, as some people think. Because, like, our main character is still, at the very end, I still prefer the Duke. It's sort of like... I know. It was just funny. I, just, I think I thought that was funny. I know. Yeah. It was just, I just like that she said that at the end. I was like, I just love that that happened. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So. my I guess my, my one other complaint um, is that... And I, I didn't catch this on the first watch. It was on my second watch. It feels... <laughs> And maybe, I mean, I get it. It's the fifth movie, you know, by the time these characters are having to go through it, I would be pretty much over it too. But I'll be honest, Courtney Cox and Nev Campbell did not seem very interested in being in this movie. They seemed so done. They seemed so bored and so uninterested with what was going on. And I don't know if that was a character choice or not, but the second time I watched it, I'm like, did they even really want to do this? Because it doesn't feel like they want to be here at all (laughs) i i agree it felt very stiff a Mm -hmm. little bit just like you have us for a day let's go that was my other real big complaint about it but other than that this movie is aces it is aces so go see it if you feel safe um and hopefully they'll have a plan for releasing it soon so everyone else can watch it who can't go to theaters or doesn't feel safe because not everyone can do that for a lot of reasons so anyway Scream. It Yay. is. Okay, so hard transition from Scream to a TV show, sort of. What is this returning show that I should be watching? Okay, I'm going to be very quick about it, uh, but I, I, I need to throw out there that Servant Season 3 starts oh, the day yes. that this episode drops. 
Um, I have watched the first three episodes of season three, and it is a banger. Um, like I, I, the last time I talked about screen or screen servant, I mentioned uh, one of the episodes in which um, they use second screen horror because this show plays with like technology in an interesting way. Well, by the end of the first episode, and I'm not going to go into spoilers if you haven't seen the first two seasons, but what I will say is that the very end of the first episode, they decided to put um, security cams all over the house. And I am just waiting for an episode where, like, we're having to watch everything unfold on security cameras. I'm just waiting for that because it is paranormal a perfect setup. activity too. Uh-huh. Paranormal activity too. I'm waiting for that because they they already do it a little bit in this in, in the second episode. There's like a scene of of uh, Julian, who's played by Rupert Grint. He is like watching events down below great. Good for him. glad that he's still getting a paycheck and he's he's really good in this he's really funny um but yeah so he's like downstairs while uh dorothy his, played by laura and ambrose his sister is having a mommy and me party with like rich people it is the most rich white thing i've ever seen in my entire life but he is watching the events unfold on the security cameras and i'm just waiting for that to become like a thing this season because you can't just like introduce it and it not happen. And they did such a great job in season two with the sort of second screen horror bit that they did for an episode that I just, I, I'm so giddy. I need with to excitement. watch it. I need to watch it. Cause you've told you and Joe both were like, bitch, you need to watch this. And I've started it. I just haven't finished. <laughs> and if you are watching like- it or listeners, um, Joe and I are continuing our recap. So the first one will be out there when this episode drops. So if you are, Follow, following it, follow along with us and, and read our recaps because we go hard. Also, read the recaps one. for Yellow Jackets and then watch Yellow Jackets. I won't say much yeah. more about it, but the fucking season finale rips fucking ass. Oh, it does. Anyway, it's good. <laughs> uh, we're on a TV kick right now. Uh-huh. We got another TV show we're going to talk about the Aquatic Horror Show. Yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. Uh huh. Because I'm also watching it. You are. Is yes. it The Silent Sea? It is The Silent Sea. And I'm calling it aquatic horror. How far? Okay, how far are you in it? Uh, episode seven or eight. Okay, uh, hold on. How many? We're towards the end. We, I think we're on episode seven, so I know we're near the end. Yeah. Anyway, it's aquatic horror, and I it, hadn't even thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. Even before, like the aquatic aspect of it popped through, I was like, okay. Okay, listeners, th- this whole story is it takes place in the future where climate change has happened to the point where there's no water. And so people are having to ration water. They're in, in Korea. This is a Korean show. In Korea, there is a um, – what is the word I'm looking for? Like people have different levels like a of rationing access. rationing system? Ra- yeah, we're like yeah. – depending on how, quote-unquote, important you are, you get a card that lets you have more water than the people that – maybe aren't as quote unquote important. And so there's definitely this like rationing system going on. And meanwhile, there's this lunar base up on the moon that five years ago, some disaster happened to the point that they shut down the entire base and just left it there. And now five years later, they're sending a crew up there because they need to get some sample from this abandoned research facility that is top secret. No one knows what they're going there to get. They get up there, they find bodies. They were told it's a radiation thing. It's not a radiation thing. The one body they find looks like he drowned. How do you drown in the space? 
And before this even happens, I'm like, okay, this is checking off all of my under, underwater aquatic horror type vibes. You have a base in unforgivable environment perched on the ledge of like a chasm that on earth would be like over like the Marianas trench. Basically you have like them stuck up there because there's an accident and you can't get up there. It's inhospitable. So this is like already giving me that aquatic horror type vibe that I want. And then you have this sort of like mystery of how are people drowning in a place where there's no water? And so it's working for me and I love it. And it is totally aquatic horror. This cast, by the way, is very cast is hot. Fucking incredible. But like also like I got very attached to some of them and I, I got sad. So watching this Steve and I put it on and I was like, I was like, I don't know why I was hesitant to watch it, but I was excited because I like Bay Duna and I love Korean like genre stuff. And so it it has this tendency to, I feel like, play into a lot of tropes for movies, but in a way that you're like, wait, I kind of called that, but then something else really fucking weird happened after I called that. Mm-hmm. So... It's a really interesting experience because you're like, oh, I know horror movies. I know where this is going. But you really don't. You really don't know where it's going. Because it really fucks with your expectations a lot of it. It's like, oh, yeah, you think this is going to happen and this is going to happen. Well, guess the fuck what? Actually, surprise. Like, <laughs> of course, a Korean show has come up with the weirdest goddamn concept of all time. And you're like, <laughs> I, I respect it. I respect it. So it's it's great. I think. And I haven't heard that. a lot of people talking about it. No. So I'm glad that you're watching it. Because I think after Squid Game, I feel like people are like, oh, that's like the Korean show now. Like, no more of them. And I'm like, no, no, no. more Silent Sea. Watch it. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, I was going to talk about it last week uh, before we, we had to cancel the recording. So I'm, I'm kind of glad that you've seen it now that we can, like, talk about it. Because yes, I, I loved it. It was giving me my huge recommendation. I think this I've seen it all. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I think Netflix is putting out some really great Korean shows between uh, Squid Games, between Kingdom, which is a fucking masterpiece of zombie fiction. And then I also want to see, is it called Hellbound? Yes, I have not watched it. I've heard good I things. Either. I heard it's fucked up. Yeah, and I really want to watch up? that Maybe too. Not. Yeah. So this was created by the director of Train to Busan. Speaking of Train to Busan. Oh, cool. So... Yeah, so I, I've heard really good things about that, and I think that's going to be one of my next few that I dig into. But yeah, Netflix and Korean uh, TV shows really, really killing it right now, honestly. Seriously. I really need to watch Hellbound, too. God, dude, fucking K- Korean genre stuff. It's like no other, I swear mm-hmm. to God. Anyway. Uh, so what was this? Uh, Yeah. What was this found footage, Jim? This new one? So surprising. I watched another found footage movie. <laughs> that never um, happens. Never happens at any time in my life. Okay. So so this one that I'm bringing today is called Howard's Mill. It's actually from 2021. It's formatted like a, like a mockumentary. Um, it is has like Mungo vibes. Now, nothing will ever top like Mungo ever right. in ever. <laughs> but just saying but this one hit similar notes okay. which was really impressive so it takes place on a farm called Howard's Mill Ooh, what? shocking <laughs> um, it is located in rural Tennessee 
And this farm has a history of weird, mysterious disappearances. And the reason why this crew is now here is because a man, a man's wife has gone missing and he's trying to find her. And when I say go missing, I mean that like she vanishes. And that's what these disappearances are. They People will just be in front of you and walk away and they just disappear. And no oh. one knows where they go what's happening. Like, it's just bizarre. And so this guy is trying to find answers and this documentary crew is working with him to find answers. And they go down this weird fucking rabbit hole that like, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but it gets into some weird like time travel-y territory. Oh. And there's really interesting stuff about like interdimensional things. But it's really well done in in how it kind of tells the story and the interview. Like, it doesn't feel fake, which is weird. Like, it was weird. It, like, ha- blurs that line really well. And the story is really fascinating and creepy. And so it's got, like, that true crime vibe, but also the horror vibe because these people are just disappearing. And there's these weird things that reveal themselves. And as you kind of start putting together the puzzle, it's just really fucked up and bizarre and ends on a really sad note um that i lo- like i hate i love that i love i hate that i love it but like it ends on a sad note that there isn't really as much of a resolution but okay. you feel like there's resolution i don't know it's just it's on to be streaming for free it's really really interesting i really really enjoyed it i think it hits the horror it hits the weird it hits the unique it hits the kind of tugging at your heartstrings emotional aspect of it um it's pretty tragic, actually, I think is the best way to describe it. It's tragic in the way that Lake Mungo is. Um, so, yeah, if you like Lake Mungo, give it a try. Again, you're not going to get the same experience as Lake Mungo. You never will. But it's got a similar vibe that I haven't really... This is the first time I've really watched something that had that similar kind of vibe to it. So, highly recommend Howard's Mill on Tubi. It's good. Gotta love Tubi. Like, Tubi has been my lord and savior the past couple of weeks and giving me found footage movies to watch. Because I'm doing found footage Fridays on Dread Central now because I am the boss now and I can do what I want. So I've decided that Fridays are for found footage. Um, and people seem to like it so far. So uh, I'm just watching even more found footage because now I can write about it for my job. Not that I wasn't writing about it for money before, but now I can like really write about it for my job. So... Hell I thought yeah. I wouldn't be watching this shit for fun anyway, but it's just nice to be like, oh, I'm watching a movie for research, not because I found it on Tubi and it's one in the morning and I really wanted to watch a movie. But yeah, that's Howard's Mill, everybody. Found footage heads. We're going to a festival this week. Boy, are As we. As of this episode, we are in a festival. We are inside <laughs> we of are. it. We are. Uh, inside yeah. of it. <laughs> inside of the festival. <sighs> It just smells like Sundance everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think next episode, we're going to really dig into it a bit more. But what are some of the ones that you're looking forward to just very quickly? Um, so I'm really looking forward to Hatching, which is oh, yeah. I can't remember where it's fr- from, but it's uh, weird. It's like a coming of age monster movie that is a.k.a. my favorite kind of movie. So I'm really stoked on on that one. And then um, Resurrection with Rebecca Hall. I'm mm. really excited for that. As well as Master, which is the one that takes place in Salem. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to those for sure. The other ones I'm lo- really looking forward to is the new Justin Benson, Aaron Moorhead feature, Something <gasps> yes! in the Dirt, which um, has a gay character as one of the leads. Ooh. So that's awesome. I'm really looking forward to that. It feels like it's going back to the sort of resolution early days of them, just sort of like two dudes sort of like dealing with something weird. So I'm excited for that. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm very curious about this movie called Speak No Evil about a Danish family (gasps) that becomes fast friends with a fellow traveling family for the Netherlands. And then months later they get an invitation encouraging them to visit. And then weird shit starts to happen, I guess is from what I understand. I'm looking forward to that one. And then I'm also looking forward. It's not horror, but I'm looking forward to am I okay? Which is um, (gasps) a queer love story, I think, or like friendship, but it's um, Tignataro as the director um Tignataro and Stephanie Alien Alien I'm not sure um and it looks like it's going to be very very good so I'm very excited for that I believe the cast is Dakota Johnson is one of the main characters mm-hmm. um so yeah looking forward to that give me some queer romance slash yeah I'm excited there's going to be some really cool weird shit um, also, the You Won't Be Alone is a new Numi Rapace film where she's a witch. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm super excited for that. Yeah. And there's one final one is Watcher. Oh, yes. Where... The new Micah Monroe movie. Yeah. I didn't realize yeah, she was Yeah, he's it. the lead character. <laughs> it's, right? Um, directed I know. By... I didn't realize it wasn't first either. It's directed by Chloe Okuno. Um, <gasps> yeah. Who... Hail Ratma, bitches. We know as Hail Ratma. So I am here to see that. Um, I'm very excited about about that one. I didn't even realize that it was Micah. Um, but that one looks like I'm it's so going to be really good. So we're going to have a lot to talk about stuck. next week. Oh, we're going to have so <laughs> too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, no, I'm excited. It's just going to be a lot. But it's a lot. In a good way, because that just means there's a lot of movies. Yeah, it's going to be good. Okay. I'm very excited. Oh, boy. Okay. Oh, boy. (laughs) Okay. I just got to get this off my chest. There are two moments in this movie where I was like, are these people even human beings? Because at one point... You mean the whole movie? At one point... Okay, we're we're talking about the boy next door. Wait, what's the movie? We're talking about the boy next door. Jennifer Lopez teacher falls in <laughs> lust with her next door neighbor who is a 19 year old student at her high school and they fuck. And then he becomes like fear obsessed. And it, I, I, I don't know. All I know, all I know is at one point, cause she loves literature. She's an English lit uh, teacher. He hands oh her God, thank uh, you. first edition first edition of the Iliad like excuse me dude that book is thousands of years old and there wasn't even a book originally there is no such thing as a fucking first edition of the Iliad who are these people and then later on they're talking about like he's he's defrosting a chicken and some parts of it are cooked but the way he says it it's as if like only some parts of it got cooked and I'm like that is not how you fucking defrost a chicken dude 
But it's just like the, the dialogue in here. I'm like, are these even human beings? Who are these people? The, oh, the real? chicken thing was so fucking funny. I was like, what do you like? Also, how did he, he didn't salvage it that bad? Like you can salvage a defrosted chicken easily. Like it doesn't really fuck with it that badly. No, but the way he said it, it was like, I, I, I was like, I, OK, the line's trying to say like he defrosted it and accidentally cooked some of it. But the way he says it, it made it sounded as if like some parts of it are cooked. Some parts aren't. That's the whole point of defrosting. Is that it's not cooked. You're defrosting it so that you can cook it, dude. The Iliad part was my... F- I texted Terry as soon as it happened. I'm like, you... I was First raging. edition Iliad doesn't exist. Why was that the movie? The book that you chose? There were so many other ones you could have gone with. With the fucking weird meta- extended metaphor you have throughout the movie. Like, you think you're literary... Also, Blumhouse produced this, by the way. Like yeah, the Blumhouse, I didn't note. realize I that this was a Blumhouse I was like, film. Blumhouse, but you know what? I love this movie because it's so fucking stupid. Like it is it's like so dumb. it is so dumb. It is like this is not how anybody interacts with the world. Like this is the most stereotypical. Like this, maybe no one has ever seen it. Like a human being interact <laughs> with another human being, which is why I love it because it's so bad. Like, it's incredible. Like, I want to get absolutely trashed and trashed yes. this movie. This is one of those movies that you want to go to, like, Terror Tuesday at the Alamo with a rowdy crowd and just, like, fucking launch at this film. Like, it's kind of fun because it's so bad. It is. You know what I mean? Like, I had a good time. Like, we watched Exotica. Incredible movie. So sad. So well written. This movie, a fucking polar opposite. (laughs) Just, like, throw any kind of craft out the window, except for the ability for you to somehow make Jennifer Lopez look frumpy. How did they do that? They put her in, like, it's hard. She's hot. They did not make her look super... They made her look pretty because she's gorgeous, but, like, mm-hmm. they really were trying to make her seem like she was a plain Jane. You can't do that with J-Lo. Now, okay, oh, setting aside... Oh, my he calls her a tried-up kind in the movie. <laughs> he sure as fuck does. <laughs> what were you going to say? I'm sorry, I'm just reflecting on that experience. Um. Okay, so setting aside... Setting aside how creepy it is... That this woman is having sex with a 19-year-old. That sex scene was incredibly erotic. Dude, that was... There's only one of them. No, yeah. It's unfortunate. I wanted another one. But it was incredibly erotic. Hot. Here's the thing. He goes down on her. How often do we get oral sex scenes for real, for real, and, like, see a woman having a good time? It could have been better. We know this. But damn. He goes down, down. Downtown. He does. Down, down. And, you know, here's the thing. Like, I I made a couple notes in this because I was like, one, is this a queer film? Because it feels queer. It feels a queer like a queer film that like I don't I I mean, Robin, I looked Rob Cohen up and he's married. So maybe he's bi. I don't know. I don't know his his life. I'm not friends, but it just feels like you're not. You don't have to dial him up. Let's talk about. (laughs) Hey, Rob. Come on our podcast queer? and talk about this like, thing you made. Also, are you gay? Like, are you queer? Because <laughs> I just, I feel like, I don't know. I just, I, the way the camera, like, lingers on Ryan Guzman's body in this movie feels like the way that a typical erotic thriller would linger on, a, on the female figure. Like, they sexualize him so fucking much. And then the fact that you have gay icon Kristen Chenoweth in this, I'm just like... Some of it just feels very, 
very queer. It's also like the epitome of camp because mm-hmm. it doesn't realize it's camp and it's totally camp. Oh, it's totally camp. So, all right, all right queer. It's queer, guys. <laughs> We've declared <laughs> white or camp and queer. <laughs> Definitively. Definitively. This movie is hot garbage and it is queer as hell. And that's incredible. And that's why we love it. That's why it's queer because it's hot garbage. Well, I do think that does some interesting things like flipping the switch, uh, the the, like the script on the fact that, you know, we have a peeping Tom, but it's 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 Jennifer Lopez's character peeping in on this this hot guy next door. You know, we we get his whole ass shot. We like see like him kind of doing the thing in, in the window. It's like. This movie understands the typical way that an erotic thriller plays out and kind of flips the script, the script in some ways. It doesn't always work, but yeah. And like, I know what fear is an example. We talked about it before, but like, it's, you don't get jealous boyfriend a lot. You don't get weird, obsessive boyfriend. It's usually the girl. You know what I mean? Like in a lot of erotic thrillers and like, I'm thinking in wild things when you see the, like with the girls washing the cars and like the guy watching them wash the cars, we have that of like the woman gazing at him like you said, it's all about like this boy is nineteen, but he is not nineteen. Like there is uh, no he's way that body going twenty eight. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I looked um, up his age, and I was like, "Yeah, there's no way you're a nineteen year old boy." I don't think I knew any nineteen. I don't think I've ever met any nineteen year old who looks like that. Um, anyway, but yeah, it definitely was. It it was trying to do some things. It just didn't always do them. Well, no. Also, like, at the end, did they even, like, say that she had sex with him? I feel like they didn't even, like, cover the fact that there was, like, the affair made apparent because it wasn't to me. Like, to me, it was, like, no, the whole this whole climax happened, but they never, no. there was never, like, a, like, a, oh, she had sex with him. It felt like more he was just obsessed with her and there was no sex. Yeah. I'm like, honestly, I'm I mean, iconic. Like, good for clean. you, girl. Like, get off scot-free. Like, honestly, like, good for you. <laughs> yeah. She got out clean. You got, you got laid. And you, you got, got laid you. because your husband is an asshole. Like, let's be honest. Like, you got that good dick because John Corbett with a bad haircut decided to cheat on you. And let's be honest. That, again, that sex scene, taking out the age thing, she got a good fucking. Okay, Look. I might be showing my ass here, but that part, that close of when he slips his hand into her panties. Oh, yes. Goosh. Yes, absolutely. Same. You never I see that. Like, you know what I mean? Hot. Like, you never see, like, that kind of, like, intensely erotic thing. And I was just like, oh, my God, is he really putting his hand on Jayla's panties right now? Like, oh, my God, this is pornographic. Give me more. Like, it was just... It's intimate. And it was pleasure for the like, women not and not ju- like, yeah. it's not like the, it was a sex scene that was for the guys. This is like, yes, you know, we are seeing like his hand going down her panties, but it's like, no, this is like him giving her pleasure. This mm-hmm. isn't like the woman going down on him and giving him a blowjob. This is like the reverse of that. And I, I appreciated that. I, I was a little squicked out because she kept saying no and he kept pressing mm-hmm. himself on her. And I know it was trying to be like, oh, she just can't give, she doesn't want to give in, yeah. but it's. It, had some weird vibes where he kept like shoving himself on her, and I was like, "I also think that's I know we're trying to like difference of time. Like, I mean, yes, this was only six years ago, but like that's true, that's true. Back then, I don't, I don't think, I, I honestly don't think we would have batted an eye. Like, she's just being like the, oh no, no, we can't do this. This is forbidden. Not like this is actually an Meanwhile, idea of I'm consent. Like, uh, consent, uh, please. Uh, <laughs> 
Stop. <laughs> but also, it's an yeah, it's an erotic thriller from 2015 or 16. It's like it's not gonna be that deep, but still. But yeah, that hot is trash. A but hot, had fun, gorgeous trash. It's so fun. It's so bad. You just laugh the whole time. <laughs> I knew it wasn't for a good time the minute that it started. And the opening, like, kind of exposition dump is, like, so poorly acted. It was, like, a Lifetime movie of, like, melodrama of, like, Cor- what is his name? Corbett. Like, going, like, I never blah, 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 blah. Like, the way he's talking, like, this is not real people talking. This is, like, two people. Quick, we got to catch the audience up. Read this really quickly. Like, the the re- the line reading in the beginning it's of just... this exposition dump is so melodramatic and terrible. I was like, oh, I'm so happy that we're watching this. I know. I was like, and, okay, real quick. I am so annoyed with the trope of, like, he cheated on you and he loved her and said she smelled like cookies, but let him back into your life. Look. I get it. Forgiveness is a thing. I am not good at it. I will admit this about myself. I can hold a grudge like no other. And I'm a jealous bitch. So like, for me, that would be like a deal breaker. Taking my personal shit aside. Really? Like, you're gonna be telling her... He obviously had, like, an affair. Like, not just a one-time thing, but, like, was traveling places to go see this woman. And you're telling J-Lo to let him back in your life, her life? What kind of friend? Well, no, her friend. Her friend was, like, deuces. Like, get the fuck away from that guy. But it's just this weird thing with, like, oh, just take him back. It's okay. Like, what's changed? Nothing. If only she had listened to. Well, I'm here with you because I'm about ready to say, if only she had listened to Samantha James. Forgiveness is more than saying sorry. I'm sorry. This has been Scarred for Life. Um, (laughs) Stay creepy. I saw you seriously Googling something, and I was like, what is he about to do? (laughs) You said forgiveness, and I I wanted to, like, just stop you there and say it's more than saying sorry. But I was was like, no, I'm going to let this play out while I figure out the guy's name. (laughs) That was Just Friends, everybody, in case you haven't seen it. Anna Faris, comedic goddess. Love her. That movie is terrible and so good, but we won't talk about it. That's another day. That's it's more day. than saying sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so just have a glass of wine and have makeup sex until the end of time. 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 Yeah. Sorry. I could go. I'm going to sing along. <laughs> Um, oh Lord! On that, on that note, bizarre segue of a note. <laughs> um, that does it for this week. Uh, but like we mentioned, Terry, what are we doing next week for little cuts? Instead we're taking of, a pause erotic thrillers on the erotic thrillers, uh, and I think we're going to come to the end of erotic thrillers pretty soon. We've been doing this for about like almost three months now, so I think we might be taking a pause. Shit. We might get like one or two more in, but next week. Definitely, it's all Sundance, because that's literally all we're going to be watching. But who do we have on Monday, Mary Beth? 
Oh, I'm so excited. Monday, we're chatting with Preston Fassel with about his latest book on Bill Landis. And we're also chatting about how Beetlejuice terrified him growing up. And you get to hear me not get a joke. <laughs> or Mary do. Beth wanted it's me to great. keep saying Beetlejuice. And I'm like, what are you talking about? What is it happening right now? It was a bad right joke. Now? It was a bad. <laughs> no, it, it was, was a great joke. I, was just an I made idiot. a lot of assumptions there. Um, <laughs> be, made a lot of assumptions, but yeah. So Preston wrote a book about Bill Landis. So go look that up. It's incredible. Bill Landis is a name that everyone should know. We'll talk more about it on the episode on Monday. But yeah, I'm gonna talk about Beetlejuice, aka a fave. So very excited. So, listeners, you have heard from us. We want to hear from you. Did you watch one of the movies or the shows that we talked about today and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for what we should be watching? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gaily Dreadful. And, of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at scarredpodcast. And, hey, you know, Spotify is taking ratings now, so... Uh, there is like about 15 to 20% of you that listen to us on Spotify. So if you could go out there and give us a little bit of a rating, that'd be great. Otherwise, iTunes, that's where most of it happens. And we could use some more reviews. It's been, we haven't gotten one for 2022 yet. So I would love to get a 2022 review out there. Please and thank hey, you. Hey, if you, if you review us in 2022, I'll send you a found footage movie to watch. How about that? There you go. <laughs> A little gift from me to you. That's a great idea. <laughs> Just a little small token of our appreciation. Um, but thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.